I'm Dr. Amalia Ganyus-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today is South Africa's Deputy Minister of Sports, Arts and Culture, Ms. Nokawe Mafu. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much uh, for having me, Dr. Amalia, and greetings to all the listeners all over Africa and all over the world. Deputy Minister, it's so good to hear your voice. When we initially met, we had a a face-to-face conversation five years ago, but at the time you were chairperson of the Portfolio Committee on Human Settlements and now Deputy Minister of Sports, Arts and Culture. So first of all, congratulations on your achievement. Thank you very much. Um, These are achievements that women all over the world need to be proud of because when women climb up to the position of power it is not about that individual women or that individual country or that individual woman but it is about the affirmation that women in general can take positions you know in in the politics of the country and the world so thank you very much for that congratulations You're absolutely right. That affirmation component being visible and demonstrating that these opportunities exist and can be embraced. I wanted to start with the department itself. In 2019, there was a a merger between sports and the Department of Arts and Culture, which effectively reduced the department under one umbrella to sports, arts and culture. Please, can you tell us how you would characterize your first term in office so far? Let me start by passing condolences to all people of the world that have been affected by the coronavirus pandemic, those people that have lost their loved ones, and those that are still recovering from this pandemic. I want to believe that as a people, we will be triumphant over this pandemic. But I just want to urge everybody to make sure that we we observe the regulations. But on the question that you have asked me about the department, yes, it is so true that before the elections of 2019, these were two departments, Department of Sport and Recreation and Department of Arts and Culture. And when the president announced the cabinet after the 2019 elections. He then said the two departments must merge as one. Now, Dr. Amalia, you know that in any environment, change is one thing that brings about challenges. It has not been different in this instance. Organizational changes generally, they bring anxiety because people are not sure what to expect. And people are always thinking that it might affect me or it might affect my work. And the other problem is that the buy-in and the alignment of the employees is very critical. And the buy-in of them buying into the vision of the new department is also very critical. But we are really appreciating that through all this, we've managed. We did not have the luxury of time, as people say, we had to fix the car while moving. 
So we had to work while we're doing the amalgamation. And the citizens were also not going to spare us and say, no, they are still bringing together the departments. They expected delivery. They expected programs. So and we had to do all those things at the same time. And I dare want to say we've done well in the circumstances. We've managed to combine the two departments now as of the financial year starting in 2020, first of April, we were operating as one department. When we report to, to Parliament now for the 2021 financial year on our performance, we will re- be reporting as one department. So I'm very proud. Thank you for describing the fusion of the two departments and how they've come through together. Uh, It is always challenging, but you've managed to unite the two together. Can you tell us how the continent features in the department's strategic plans, if there's any particular collaborations that you're working on with your counterparts in other countries? Okay. I think, first of all, we must all agree that South Africa is part of the continent. So there's nothing that we should be doing that will not affect the, the continent. I think that's the, our starting point. But from from the department itself, <clears throat> the, you all know that there is what is called the African Union. And the African Union has divided the continent into like five regions. And uh, we are part of Region 5, which has got 10 countries in it. And we, we, we participate in what is called the African Union Sport Commission, where all the 10 uh, countries are part of. And then we would then participate at the AU Commission now as Region 5. So we are part of that. We we also <clears throat> individually with the countries within Region 5 and those that are in the other regions, we have memorandum of understandings with them, particularly those countries that can benefit from us. For instance, the Kingdom of Lesotho, we have a memorandum of understanding with them on exchange, on sport, on training, and all those other things. And also with Zimbabwe, we also have got that. There's many of those. We try and make sure that we, we get involved with all the countries. From the cultural side, we we do exchange programs with African countries. There is a three-year program that we are finishing now with Angola, which unfortunately they couldn't come to South Africa in 2020. We were there in 2019, but we could, they couldn't receive because of COVID. We're hoping that with the break this year, they might come and finish what we have started. I was in Ghana in 2019 to also look at that kind of a relationship because our artists have been in Ghana at some point, so we were expecting the Ghanaians to come on this side on the on the cultural exchange. So we're doing a lot in terms of the programs because we believe that cultural exchange and sport, those are one areas that we can build, you know, social cohesion amongst countries themselves in Africa and even beyond. So the, the department is in a position 
to actually build better relationships for the country South Africa and our neighbors and any other country through sport and through culture and arts. It's an essential part of any country's identity and it's expressed in culture, it's expressed in arts and united, I would say, in sporting relationships. Exactly, exactly. You are quite right. You are quite right. And one of the big things is that cultural identity, there's always this belief that in Africa we we have put aside our cultural identity for the benefit of the other identities. And we really want to build on this because Africa in general is very rich in culture. And us working together, there's a lot that other you know, continents can can actually learn from us. And I think that if we can have this cross-pollination of ideas between countries, it gives everyone a better understanding of, of who we are and, and how we can operate together. And you also know, Dr. Amalia, that if we do this correctly and we do it with the passion that it deserves, even some of the things that we, we always see ourselves dealing with amongst ourselves, the xenophobia, the distrust amongst ourselves, if we understand each other's culture and we actually believe in each other, those those things are simply going to be swept away, not because of anything, but because we start to understand each other as a people. And there's a people of Africa that actually we are brothers and sisters. So it's very critical for us as a department to make sure that those programs, they reach everybody and we are, we are able to build a better Africa. I love that expression, to build a better Africa. On the notion of building and with us being a gender-based program, Women are obviously incredibly important to society, incredibly important part of of the conversations that we have. Financial independence ultimately contributes to women's empowerment and the ability to to try to commercialize arts as well as culture through entrepreneurship is one way that women can achieve independence. Can you tell us about some of the opportunities that the department has developed to fund women-led community projects? And what types of projects are on the go? Look, I think one of the things that we should appreciate is that South Africa as a country and as a government uh, is embedded on making sure that uh, there's non-sexism in the country. It's a non-sexist country, but also it is very committed in making sure that women empowerment becomes the bedrock of whatever government is doing. And I think we, we, we need to applaud that because at least it's something that is a commitment from the side of government. But one of the things that we should and, and we should look at very strongly is the fact that partnerships are gonna be very critical because partnership within departments themselves first, because one of the big things is that as departments and as ministries, we shouldn't be seen to be working in silos. 
we should be en- enhancing each other. For instance, if I, if I make an example, there's, there's a department in the presidency which is, has been given the responsibility of women, youth, and people with disabilities. But that department can't do everything in relation to women empowerment. There's our department, which is Department of Sports, Arts, and Culture, which has been given responsibility for nation building and social cohesion. And you can't do that without dealing with the issue of gender-based violence and empowerment of women. There's a Department of Social Development, which you can't work without because it deals with um, entities, it deals with NPOs, it it, it deals with making sure that issues of uh, parenthood, issues of uh, social grants are managed because that's also one area of making sure that women become, you know, independent. There's economic development, there's small business, which should look at how it can empower women into the space of the economy. So that working together becomes critical within departments, but also between government and private sector. Private sector needs to come to the party, and I know they're doing a lot, but there's more that can be done in terms of making sure that when we talk gender-based violence, when we talk women empowerment, they are there. We know that the president had, had announced recently an amount which I know for, for somebody that is out there, it looks a big amount in terms of gender-based violence that comes from the private sector. We applaud that because we can do these things when we work together, both private and public, and which means government. And also, you are not going to leave the society out there because this is about them. So we need to make sure that as these programs are put together, are we able to make sure that they reach the people that are meant for these programs? Do we have mentorships? Because those that have already achieved, they must be able to mentor those that are still coming up. So there's a lot that you must do around this area. It's an area that all of us, we should be, how do I put it? We should have a commitment. And and I always, president sometimes always say, when we talk women empowerment, when we talk gender-based violence, that's one area that each minister, each deputy minister, it must be a an area of performance management. It's a, it's a, when he looks at you and how you have done, he looks at what it, things that you have done to deal with these things. And I love that you've asked this question because it's a very important question. It's a question that must be the base of what are we doing in government. Because when you still have people, women that are still not enjoying the same rights as everybody, when you are still having women that are not having access even to a bank loan to start a business as compared to a man, we need to level the playing field. Because I always believe that uh, empowering a woman is empowering a nation. Dr. Amalia. That's a, a great sentiment. Empowering a woman is empowering a nation. You've spoken about 
I would call it almost the the ingredients that we need to have. So having the the different uh, ministries or departments playing their role, their jurisdictions, be it art and culture, be it small business, uh, be it economic development, be it women in the presidency and aspects of mentorship to try and drive things together. From a department point of view, in, in terms of your specific mandate and, and contribution towards empowering women and reducing gender-based violence and, and femicide, what are some of the core activities you've got underway? Okay. One, as I have said, we, we, are, a, we are a lead department on social cohesion and nation building. And therefore, automatically, you can't be doing any of those if there is gender-based violence. So we, we become kind of then a lead department, in a sense, in actually dealing with areas that would look at, at the gender-based violence. But of course, as I've already said, we can't do these things alone. That's why we, we are in partnership with with the Department of, of Justice and Correctional Services uh, and in making sure that some of the programs we do with them. We are also in partnership with all the other departments that I have expressed. But I think one of the things that I don't know if you know, Dr. Amali, when, when COVID-19 started and, and we had to do our work uh, based at home, and you will remember that this was done immediately after the government had launched what is known as the district development model. The district development model came about about making sure that, as you know, that South Africa has got three spheres of government. We've got national government, we've got provincial government, and we've got local government. And sometimes there is so much red tape in between these three spheres of government. Now, the district development model came about to make sure that there is a streamline of working in between these spheres. How then the president uh, and the government looked at this was that all ministers in, in, in national government and all deputy ministers in national government are actually assigned a district. Now, the country has got 44 districts. And then you add the eight uh, metros because a metro is being seen as a district. So it's 44 districts and the eight metros, which is about 52 districts in total. Now, all of us in the cabinet are assigned districts. So Beside me being a deputy minister of sports, arts, and culture, but I'm also a champion of a district called Etequini in Natal, for instance. Now, the purpose of this is that areas of service delivery and areas that would have taken long for national government to know that there is a blockage in one district become streamlined because that cabinet member that is a champion in that particular district can be able to liaise with a particular department which is supposed to resolve a particular problem in that district. 
Now, what happened when we started with COVID-19? That's what I wanted to, to say. Was that then the president said, because you can't do everything right now, I want all the champions of the districts to look at two things during this state of COVID-19 pandemic. One, how the districts are managing the COVID-19 pandemic. Two, what are the programs that are dealing with gender-based violence in your district? Because you would remember, Dr. Amalia, that one of the things was that when we were on lockdown, there seemed to have been an increase on the cases of gender-based violence. And President said, I want all the champions to concentrate on these two things, managing the COVID-19 in the districts, but also managing the issue of the gender-based violence in your particular mm -hmm. district and be able to give government a report on a quarterly basis. And that's what we've been doing. So I, I thought it's important to lift that up so that people can understand that whilst we are busy doing all our work, one of the areas that we've been prioritizing was the issue of the gender-based violence. And with those two yes, yes. priorities of managing the COVID pandemic and GBV within your district, how have you seen the changes over, let's say, the last year that we've been on lockdown? I, I think today marks 329 days of lockdown. It's been very challenging to Tamalia. We, we can't lie. Remember, some of the families have never been in one place for more than, you know, even a week sitting together, particularly husband and wife. Here is a situation suddenly forcing people to be under a lockdown in one place for 120 days, as you speak. Others at least have moved out. But that increased the issue of gender-based violence in some districts. And our aim was to make sure that women must know that there is a, a way that you could make sure that you are safe. So in our districts, we made sure that the systems are in place, stakeholders were engaged, structures were put up, safe houses were identified, toll-free numbers were put on, so that at least that woman that is sitting in that home and feels that she doesn't have any escape of some kind, has got these areas that he can use. Of course, it was not as easy because remember, this was COVID-19. We are under lockdown. There were regulations that you can't have, uh, you know, programs that are, up, are more than more than 50 people. You can't have programs that you can go around. You had to be able that as you do these programs, you also are able to make sure that you are exemplary to the community in terms of observing the regulations which we did. But, but also, we were able to engage with Department of Justice and Correctional Services at that time to make sure that at least there is more courts that are, deal are dealing with the issues of gender-based violence. And you will also remember that at that time also, the president managed to pass three bills that were also relating and enhancing the fight against gender-based violence. So in the circumstances, I think we did fairly well. Without a doubt, these have been, 
I would say in in my lifetime the most trying times and and experience and something that has impacted the entire world. Hi, I'm Zonke Digana, a South African Afro soul musician, songwriter and producer. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Today, we're talking to South Africa's Deputy Minister of Sports, Arts and Culture, Ms. Nokawe Mafu. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In the previous section of the show, Deputy Minister Mafu spoke about the successful fusion of the two departments of sport, art and culture merging into one. The emphasis of the United Department as a department that fosters nation building and social cohesion. We spoke about the empowerment of women and how this is cross-pollinated with the different departments. It's not isolated to one department, but it is about galvanizing the activities of all departments to help women prosper and incorporate the empowerment of women further. We also highlighted the District Development Model, or DDM, and with the emphasis that there were two core priorities during the pandemic of, firstly, how to manage the COVID pandemic, and secondly, how to address gender-based violence. Deputy Minister, as we're a gender-based program, gender equality is always something that we look at discussing because the fact of the matter is we still live in an unequal society. If I look at the United Nations women's definition of gender equality, they say that gender equality is not only a basic human right, but its achievement has enormous socioeconomic ramifications. Empowering women fuels thriving economies, spurring productivity and growth. Yet gender inequalities remain deeply entrenched in every society. In your opinion, given your wealth of experience, what do you think we need to build on the most to benefit women in the future? Thank you very much, Dr. Amalia. And I really want to applaud the work that is being done by the UN Women. Uh, I know that you are following that work where Dr. Pumzulem Lambongoka is is there. And, and, and during the pandemic, you saw the programs that they were dealing with and making sure that uh, the issues of women are also put on the front. And just to, rem- to remind people that one of the things that they, they were championing was that during the pandemic, uh, it's the women that are actually at the forefront of that fight. Because even if you look at the health workers, majority of them are women. Nurses are 80% women. Even if you look at the people that are affected by the COVID-19, women are at the forefront because they are the face of families in terms of poverty. They are the face of families when unemployment rise because they have to go around and look for something for the family to eat. And I thought it's important that when we then talk about what we think needs to happen, we need to have that background that actually, at some point in the history, we even used to have a term that was used, feminization of poverty, because the face of poverty looked like it's women. So one of the things that is critical then to look at what needs to be done is is to make sure that across the board, 
in every country, in every district, in every city, access to finance for women must be something that is a priority. Because most women are busy with small, they are selling um, maguinha there, they are selling peanuts, sweets by the street and everywhere. All these to make sure that there's actually something on the table for their families. And when all these things fall apart, they don't know where to knock to make sure that they can get some assistance to sustain what they are doing. So access to finance. Because we, we, we have to be very um, honest that banks still prioritizes uh, big business. Banks would still, in t even in terms of loans, uh, a woman needs to, to come and bring a marriage of documents before they can even be, so, uh, be considered for any loan. But the other second part is the issue of the technical training. We, we, we need to, to look at this area because once we are actually having technical training for women, we are also opening up space for them. They have got that kind of skill, even on the things that they are doing already. Let's professionalize those things that they are doing. If they, if they are selling on the street, make it a little bit professional so that it becomes a small business for him. It's not a hand-to-mouth kind of business. And I think it's important. I've also already spoken about the issue of mentorship, which I think for me, um, it's we can't overemphasize it, particularly if you want to effectively run a competitive business. We need to mentor each other. And of course, we we have to make sure that, particularly as government in this instance, we create and we open up opportunities for women to, to actually deliberately allow them to enter into the space that were previously reserved for men. There's a, there's a lot of spaces that we know that women couldn't be part of those. Government needs to put systems in place to actually make sure that we level those playing fields we open up those spaces, women become the equal playing fields on those spaces. And I think if we can be able to do those few things, and we, we will be able to, to, to go a step forward. And government being an enabler of women empowerment, it becomes critical for them to do this. And if we are able to do these things, and we can wrap off even to neighboring countries and neighboring country rubs off to another neighboring country suddenly it becomes like a wildfire that the whole world embraces and understands that actually let all wherever we are create spaces for women and the spaces that we have today are so much wider than our geographic boundaries that traditionally confined us. The world is everyone's oyster given internet connectivity, the opportunities that have opened up. Uh, it means that you can sell your products, provide your services to literally anywhere in the world as long as you're connected. Yes. I fully agree. And and I think one of the big things that we could applaud the president of the country in, in his term 
when he was the chair of the African Union is to at least um, tr to have tried to make sure that African countries are able to trade freely amongst themselves. And I think women must actually take that opportunity and make sure that that, that, that free trade agreement that now has been signed and operationalized, uh, it, it makes things a little bit easier for us as an African family you know, to be able to do business easier amongst each other. And I think it makes us more sustainable as a as a population, as a continent, that we can Absolutely. do intra-trade. Keep the money home. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much. Deputy Minister, we're coming towards the end of the show. Um, unfortunately, time always runs away. So the question that I wanted to ask you now is about your personal journey and factors for success. Many of our guests have reached tremendous achievements across their various journeys. And when I ask this question, some people speak about discipline, focus, faith, values. In your opinion, what have been some of your key drivers to success? Not an easy question to, to answer because you, it, you can say a lot of things. But for me, I think one big area is that be you, you know, be authentic, be authentic about uh, who you are because, you know, authenticity is very important. Remember, you are the only you. All other people are taken. You know, so, so whilst you you are navigating all the challenges. Try to be yourself as much as possible. And and and, and be patient with yourself. And uh, don't hit, don't hit yourself up when you you know you reach some some blockages. Of course, take a breath, take a rest, breathe and and tell yourself that this is what I I want, and this is what I will do. So, I, of course, focus is very critical, very important. But it's also um, easy to to become a bit uh, selfish when you are busy with yourself. You focus on yourself and uh, try and make sure that in the process of you growing, you actually allow space to assist others on the journey as well. Because as you assist others on your journey as well, you are also growing and learning something from the people that you are assisting. Because remember, it's not going to help anyone that at the end of the day, you are the only one that then has become successful, so to speak. And then you have left everybody else at the back because... It's the, the impact is not going to be as big if you had brought other people with you. And therefore, whilst you invest on your own growth and your continuous development and your lifelong learning, because those are critical, and make sure that you are able to mentor others. Let's forget the fact that uh, I'm, I, I'm the first woman who became the first deputy minister of sports, arts, and culture, and and therefore become proud of that. Bring others. Let's forget about this first woman title. It's an important title. 
because it breaks barriers. But we must use it to make sure that we are able to create space for others to come in. So I would say uh, those for me are very important. And of course, space, as you have put it, wouldn't be far off because you would need to have the faith in what you are doing and be able to know that even despite everything else, I will succeed. It's important also to acknowledge that you are going to need other women to assist you as, lo as, as, as long as you know that also other women are going to be needing you to assist them. So that's how it's going to work. It's a fantastic reinforcing and reciprocity of, of give and take. And as you're giving and taking, being able to develop yourself and let others rise with you as you grow. And finally, as we close out the conversation today, please can you share a few words of inspiration or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to women and girls that are listening to the show today? Thank you very much, Dr. Amalia. I just want to tell every young girl out there and every woman out there that you've got it within yourself to be the best that you want to be. We need to make sure that us, as those that have been given the opportunity to be in positions of power, we create environment for you to be the best that you can be and also remember when you look at us don't ever think that it was easy to be where we are we had challenges just just like you that you are facing challenges right now but the important thing is that you must understand you are part of this species called people and you have every right as a woman to take your space and be able to play your role. There is absolutely no country that will be able to succeed, to be the best that they can be without empowering women. For instance, here in South Africa, women are more than 50%. So if you are not going to empower women, that means you are not able to empower the country because it means more than 50% of the population is not being empowered. Love yourself. Be kind to yourself. You are the best thing that has happened to you. And you are the only you. And all the best for all your dreams that you want. Knock on every door. Make sure that your dreams become real. Thank you for that wonderful message of self-belief, of owning your own space, of being able to make your mark in the world with your authentic contribution. It's been a pleasure, again, having you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to South Africa's Deputy Minister of Sports, Arts and Culture, Ms. Nokawe Mafu.